speak? <gasps> that was very uh, unhappy. Oh, she's not pleased. She's never pleased. Marcia! Hi! Mima! <laughs> she's like, unhand me, mother. Or there shall be death. She's like, you're going in a home when you're old. Aww. Hi. <laughs> she, she like, she chirps and Mo like straight up meows. Yeah, Felix meows. She chirps. <laughs> she just keeps making the same noise. <laughs> it's her grumble. What a way to start a podcast. Oh, 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 look at that sausage. You guys can't see, but there's a striped sausage. Oh, she's very chonk. She, yeah, she's done. Or rather, her feet were telling me she was done because she whipped out her little, her little demon claws and was like, let's fucking go. Her little kicky feet. Her little kicky feet. All right. Now that we've gotten all of the meows out of the way. Lovely. She's pissed. She's straight up. She's so angry. <laughs> That's all right. Tell her a story of mayhem and murder, and maybe she'll calm down. I can't tell her the story of mayhem and murder, but I can tell her the story of wrestling and murder. Oh, I thought we did a wrestling murder episode. Haven't we? Yes. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, other than was the Joe Sun episode. Yes, Joe yeah. Sun was an... I, he wasn't a wrestler. He was like a fighter. But I feel like we also did another wrestling episode. Somebody who knows know. our entire posting schedule is screaming it right now and just knows. It's like 137, uh, eight? 8, something like that. Something like that. It's a lot of episodes to remember. It's enough. It's enough. Anyway, so what's this <laughs> wrestling mayhem murder case? Yes, so this wrestling mayhem murder case is on the murder of Dave Schultz. And he was born, David Leslie Schultz, in Palo Alto, California, to Dorothy Jean St. Germain, Nay Rich, Nay A Rich. I think it's Nay, but I'm not positive. I'm pretty sure it's Nay. It's, it's, al it's always thrown me for a loop. It's always one like, God, God damn, when if you ever change your last name, uh, I'm fucked. Um, <laughs> Oh, the art the artist formerly known as Langan is what you'll be. Yeah. Um but so yeah, his mom was Dorothy Jean St. Germain, not gonna go with that again. And Philip Gary Schultz, he had a brother, Mark, who we'll kinda talk about a little bit later, and two half siblings, Michael and Sienna. And when Dave was four and Mark was three, their parents split, but they continued to raise their sons together all the way through high school. That's good. I mean, yeah. those are kind of formative years. You kind of need both parents at that time. Yeah. Well, and especially this was really a great thing in terms of it was crucial for Dave because he had a tough enough childhood that, like, I think having an absentee parent or having to, like, deal with that split and everything would have been a lot more yeah. on his plate. Um. Basically, he was bullied a lot as a kid, Aww. and he part of it was because he was overweight. He actually got the nickname Pudge. That's a cute fat nickname, but still not nice. I was gonna say it's a cute fat nickname when it's like a fish in find in in Lilo and Stitch. Not so cute when it's like a human being being called this by other small human beings who have not yet formed their brains to understand how Lord of the Flies is fucked up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he was bullied at school for his weight and his appearance by his classmates. Um, and then also he suffered from dyslexia, which a lot of his teachers didn't realize was dyslexia and thought it was like a developmental or a mental disability. Yeah. So that didn't help things. Yeah. Um, but he went to junior high at David Starr Jordan Middle School in Palo Alto, where he began wrestling on the school's team. And it turned out he had kind of an affinity for the sport. 
And right. when he was in high school, he continued wrestling and won first place in the Great Plains Freestyle Tournament, which is apparently like a big deal in the wrestling world. And this qualified him to compete on a U.S. international team in the Tbilisi. God damn it. I had I had the pronunciation written in here and it's gone now. That's okay. But Someone who knows wrestling will tell us. It, I think it's Tbilisi. Okay. Or Tbilisi. Tbilisi or Tbilisi? Somebody tell me. Someone in Tbilisi is yelling at me. Um, Hopefully, I don't have to say this again. Um, Tournament in then Soviet Georgia. And not the state. Like, Georgia the country. Just putting that out there because... I just want to clarify. Um, Not going to say anybody's stupid. But also, my friend Michael Kennedy is listening, and I'm sure he would appreciate the clarification. Um, His nice, smooth brain would appreciate it. But it's considered that this match is considered by wrestling experts to be like if if the Great Plains Freestyle Tournament was like a big deal. This is like the end all be all because it's like the hardest wrestling tournament in the world. Yeah. And it's in a different country. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. And and like a very like a very different country like ussr communist country and people willingly go there to compete yeah but so yeah so he ended up winning a silver medal in this competition i know as a teen yeah he's not even yeah he's not even like of age yet Um, is it a teenage competition or is it like all age ranges all ages whoa well, not all ages, but like, like I mean, like I, I doubt a six-year-old could compete. But I mean, yeah, like I know there's weight classes and everything. Yes. it's probably from like teens to twenty, like early twenties. I would imagine. I can't I would imagine a thirty-year-old would, would be really. Yeah, I would think it would go beyond. He know. was. He was like, as a quick spoiler alert, he was still like prepping for the olympics when he was pushing 40 really yeah right. um but so he in 1977 um he was in his senior year at palo alto high school and he became state champion and he won his first national first national and international wrestling titles jeez and he was actually competing in all of these competitions to the point that like he was not able to go to school matches to qualify for like college. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like for for scouts to see him and everything. Yeah, yeah. And his coach basically rallied and was like, no, like you gotta check this kid out. And like really helped propel his career forward. I would think if he had like all these medals and all these titles and everything, does a college really need to like see him physically wrestle to know that like he's really good i mean right now they don't just look at Lori laughlin's kids yeah right <laughs> Whoop! who put that there um but yeah and then also at this time he pinned two-time n double nope ncaa champion and ncaa outstanding wrestler chuck yagla at the great plains championships Ooh, get him Yes. Then in college, he was a three-time NCAA All-American, first at Oklahoma State University, and then twice at the University of Oklahoma. And overall, his record in college was 91 to 8. Whoa! Um, That would be 30 to 4 at Oklahoma State University and 61 to 4 at the University of Oklahoma. So that's like an average winning streak of about 91%. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Yes, like for comparison's sake, for example, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Stone Cold Steve Austin's um, average winning streaks are about 57%. Whoa. And I know they're different. I understand that they're different. Please don't come for me. And I know that, and they've also done like, say, like 500 matches each. Yeah. But still like it's he it's pretty impressive also they do more performative like uh, yes excuse my ignorance performative wrestling right yeah Yeah. it's it's all watch glow everybody just watch glow you'll understand 
or fighting with my family. I watched that because I was briefly a slut for Florence Pugh. And not only is it lovely, but you understand and learn some things. Very nice. Um, but yeah, so after college, Schultz won 10 senior national titles over the course of 19 years. He's like a prodigy. Yes. Yes. And it's funny you say that because his mom was just popping him out because his brother, Mark, he first he was a gymnast. Then he decided to follow in his brother's footsteps and join his school's wrestling team. And he also became a successful pro wrestler. Whoa. Yep. Um, in 1983, Dave Schultz won the world championship for wrestling and then in 1984, both he and his brother Mark competed in the Olympics with the U.S. wrestling team, and both of them won gold medals. Whoa. Yes. Um, and then also he won, uh, Dave won, four World Cups, uh, two Pan American Games titles, and is the only American, fuck, ever to twice win in the Tbilisi? tournament i really was like i i shot myself in the foot with that one. Oh, i hope i don't have this again um please let this be the last time um so in total he was a seven-time world and olympic medalist jesus christ yes and then in the 1984 olympics when dave and his brother mark were competing they were actually accused of excessive brutality in their matches the the literal bash brothers <laughs> and a special official kind of like a referee but also like when your principal comes to proctor your class to see if your teacher is doing an okay job uh-huh. he was this person was assigned to monitor the rest of their matches during the olympics because it, it was that like, bad it sounds like everyone else needs to step up their fucking games it does because right after this happened two of their opponents went straight to the hospital after competing with them <laughs> Oof. <laughs> um, Dave sent Yugoslavia's Saban Sejdi to the hospital with a knee injury during the match. Ooh. And Mark broke the left elbow of Baris Karabakak. Karabakak? Karabakak? He broke his left elbow 30 seconds into the match. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like he was aiming for it. It, it sounds a little bit like, I mean... <laughs> Having read this, I was like, oh, okay, I can see why maybe somebody would be assigned to babysit them. Yeah. Um, but still, like, whoo, girl. Also, there's this, like, thing. Apparently, Dave Schultz, he, like, got a little too happy with room service before. I don't think it was an Olympic match. I don't remember. I just, like, read it as an anecdote. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't have it in my notes. But he... Got a little too, like, comfy with the room service. And when he went to, like you had mentioned before, there's weight classes. Yep. And so when he went to weigh in before his match, he was 12 pounds over the weight class limit. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, indeed. So he... Trigger warning? And do not do this. Skip ahead, like, 15 seconds, if you think you know where I'm going with this. Um, puked up a pound and a half worth of food. And then put on four layers of sweats and went full throttle on an exercise bike for 90 minutes and lost the 12 pounds. That sounds dangerous. Fucking impossible. Uh, Well, and that's basically what his entire career was, was he was like, like, what's the word? Like, not bionic, but you know what I mean? He's just like Like, a machine. He's a wrestling machine. Yes. And so it's just, it was just wild to me. I was like, oh, fuck that shit. I was like, let me tell you, if I knew for certain that would work, I wouldn't say I wouldn't try it. However, however. Oh, it sounds like a fucking nightmare. Exactly. I would rather die. <laughs> um, I would rather be 12 pounds overweight. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah. So moving on from that little tangent... During the 1990s, uh, he began preparing for the 1996 Summer Olympics in Atlanta, Georgia, this time the state. So to clarify for Michael and his smooth brain. Um, And then Schultz trained and coached the wrestling team at a 14,000 square foot, $600,000 private training center called Foxcatcher Farms in in Newtown Square, Pennsylvania. Okay. Which is kind of near Delaware. Um. 
he actually replaced his brother in the job. His brother initially took the job because he was broke and didn't have a job and was offered the job and was like, sure, I'll fucking take it. Uh-huh. Um, but his brother, the the owner of Foxcatcher Farms, John DuPont, um, was getting like heavily invested in his brother's life, really intrusive, really like invasive and to the point that mark eventually left and dave replaced him okay but the brother didn't warn him that this is what he kind of went through i mean presumably he did however we'll we'll get into it it's it's a cushy gig okay it's it's like okay the dude is weird it's like why would people work in the wonka factory when willy wonka doesn't give a fuck if a kid gets sucked up into a chocolate tube and dies it's because willy wonka has oodles of money and oodles of sugar a chocolate river chocolate river and those squirrels um but yeah one of the young wrestlers actually that schultz trained for the 1996 summer olympics at this facility was WWE star Kurt Angle. He wasn't a star then, but he is now. And he actually went on to win the gold medal for the U.S. team at the Olympics in in the heavyweight class. Wow. And he dedicated the medal to Schultz's memory. Spoiler alert. Oh. Yeah. Well, I think people got the, uh, the idea from the title the, of the episode. Uh, yeah, but I mean... In case people skip, I know people like to skip the beginnings. Sometimes you just gotta, you gotta do, do the button All and right. skip a little bit. Um, but let's, let's talk about DuPont. He was a multimillionaire, a philanthropist, heir to a chemical company fortune, and an all-around weirdo. Just super Great. weird. I don't think you can have all of those precursors and not be a weirdo. Yeah, well, I mean, for those who do watch uh ahs american horror story it's like it gave me kind of like dandy mott vibes like maybe he's weird because his family just wanted to keep the wealth in the family if you know what i mean um but i don't know a little uh touching tips with your sis (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah go in there yeah no idea but i don't know it could explain some shit um so basically one of his eccentricities, one of his many eccentricities, was that he was obsessed with the Olympics and was basically hell-bent on participating in them in some way, shape, or form. We all um, got something. Everybody's got something. That we're weird about. Yep. For us, it's a podcast. But I it's mean, true. We're, not, we're not so crazy that we would do the following. He wanted to compete in the pentathlon in the 1968- Olympic Games in Mexico. Why the pentathlon, you ask? What is a pentathlon? That's my first question. <laughs> and then why? That wasn't my question. That wasn't... You threw off my groove. Pentathlon? <laughs> five... Five things in a... Yes. Yes. So, so wait. A triathlon is running, swimming, and biking? Yes. Pentathlon would be running, swimming, biking, uh, forward rolls, um, skipping. 12 pounds in 90 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, fast backward walking, that exorcist crab walk thing. (laughs) I think we've exceeded five, five, yes. (laughs) And you can eliminate one of those five. Do you know what the five things are? I do. I do. Oh, okay, good. Did I get um, any of them? You got some. Skipping? <laughs> Fencing? Fencing kind of like skipping, Fencing but with doesn't swords. move you forward. Yes, it does. Are you fucking kidding me? Fencing? Did you not watch The Parent Trap? Lindsay Fencing. Lohan fucking moves forward on herself to push herself into a trough. Yeah, but fencing is not really a... Um, trough? A getting from A to B type of movement i wouldn't fence my way to the store caitlin i mean fucking carrie always fenced himself to princess buttercup and the princess bride (sighs) i I don't like your logic on this what is the pentathlon (laughs) so it's fencing 
Shooting. That doesn't make any sense. Shooting? I, yes, shooting. Fencing, shooting. Shooting like um, bang bang or shooting bang, like bang bang. Okay. Um, swimming. You got that one. Woo. Riding and okay. I'm I'm assuming that means riding horses, not riding yeah. bikes. Other otherwise, I think they would say bicycling. Yeah, because um, riding saying riding instead of biking is is a weird yeah option. Like when some bougie bitch comes up to you in Fairfield County, Connecticut, and goes, "So do you ride?" She's not asking about your Schwinn. She's asking about your like purebred Palomino named Toodles. Toodles, okay. Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, you're rich. You can name your Palomino whatever the fuck you want. Sure. Um, and then the last one is cross country running. Okay. So we would fail at these things. I also we would don't not agree compete in a pentathlon. Some of those things. You would, I, I can already see that, it, that you would not make it far just because you would stand there and argue about fencing being in the pentathlon, pentathlon for the entirety of it. <laughs> like a triathlon, you're supposed to get from like point A to point B. For one section, you do the running. For one section, you do the swimming. For the other section, you do the biking. This one is an obstacle course. I this like is bullshit. This is what you're getting upset This about. is a bullshit event. Good. Let him have it. Let him do the bullshit event. All right. Well, he wanted to do the bullshit event only because one of the requirements, like I said, was being able to shoot. And somebody said to him, basically, oh, well, since you're really good at shooting, this would be the best bet for you to get into the Olympics. So he was like, okay. I did find out that archery is an event in the Olympics, and it's it so is. much fun to watch. They're it so is. fucking good. I know this because I used to play the Nintendo Game Boy game Hamtaro, and they had their little Olympic ceremony, and That's Hamtaro cute. would do archery, and I would Very suck nice. at it. And then Bijou did shit, all kinds. Oh, loved that game. Um, but yeah, so it wasn't like DuPont trained his entire life for this pentathlon. Uh-huh. Um, you know, like fucking the, Sh the Schultz brothers did. Yeah. But... That's not for lack of trying. <laughs> he built a shooting range and an Olympic-sized swimming pool on his estate to train. He also commissioned a mosaic made from Italian tile that had been imported, depicting himself competing in all of the events for the race. Just have that. Just have the Italian tile mosaic. You don't need to actually do it. Just say you did it. No one's going to check. I mean, he might as well have, because money cannot buy athletic aptitude, at least not yet. And so he not only did not qualify for the Olympics when he competed, he placed second to last. Well. And the last one was Haley trying to argue her way through the fencing competition. <laughs> I wasn't even a twinkle in an eye at that point. At that point in time, was it? Wait, it was this the eighties or the nineties? Sixty-eight. Were your parents oh, even a twinkle? <laughs> my yeah, yeah. My dad was born in sixty. No, my dad was born in fifty. Fifty-one. Yeah. Okay, then our parents were twinkles. They were they were fully twinkling at that point. Yes. Um, but yeah, so. Didn't do great. Did not make it in. So then, once he realized he didn't have the chops to compete in the Olympics, his next idea was, okay, I'm going to coach a team to win an Olympic medal. And that's when he created Team Foxcatcher to train potential Olympians in swimming, pentathlon, triathlon, and later wrestling. Me comes in second to last. Thinks I'm qualified to train people. What well, no, fuck? but he didn't. He didn't train people. He, he like, just funded it? He financed it. Yes, he like uh, Harvey Weinsteined ugh. the team. I know. I know. He he, Jury's out, but he probably definitely didn't touch any of the team, if that helps. I. But he was weird in other ways. Yeah. And he still, he, he, like Harvey Weinstein, belonged in prison. Okay. Um... But so, yeah, he would continue to practice at the firing range um, because even though he wasn't Olympics good, he was still a pretty good marksman. And he invested a fuck ton of money in the team and the estate in general to the point that, as I said before, it was cushy. Schultz and his family, along with other 
athletes and trainers and everything over the years even lived on the estate in their own homes because it was that expansive jeez expansive and expansive um but yeah yeah like he he he, money was no object yeah so however money can't save you from everything and on january 26 1996 DuPont asked his chauffeur to drive him to the Schultz's house on his estate. Why you would have somebody drive you? Well, that just shows how big it is. Um, Yeah. But, you know. So, he asked him to drive him to the Schultz's house. And Dave met John DuPont in the driveway of his home. At which point, he, DuPont, shot Schultz three times, killing him. Because, again, great shot. Um, Not this was a great shot, but he was a great shot. Um, But, yeah. So, Schultz was 36 years old when he passed away. Oh, my God. Yes. Um, His wife, Nancy, who called 911, and DuPont's head of security, Patrick Goodell. Goodale? Um, He had been in the the front passenger seat of the car. Both of them were witnesses to the crime. And when... Schultz died. Authorities found the the phrase P period, U period kids written on his hand and his forehead because he was... Uh, so from what I read, part of me was like, alright, he can't be that hands-on if he, he forgets, but also apparently he was hands-on and it's like a thing. I don't know whether or not he was a hands-on dad, uh-huh. but either way, he and his wife would take turns to pick up their son, Alexander, and daughter Danielle from school and it was his turn to do it. So, so he, he had to write those on his reminders. Hand to remind himself. He he reminded himself. I feel like I'm missing something. Why was he shot? See, this is why I need you. So to to get started. Okay. First of all, DuPont's family and friends were all shocked when they heard the news of this murder. Because although he had always been, like I said, a bit of a weirdo and was definitely becoming crazier in the months leading up to Schultz's murder, um, like, they found it really hard to believe. Basically, according to the 2016 documentary Team Foxcatcher, which has a 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb, an 87% Google score, and a 100 tomato meter rating with an 88% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Whoa. I know, and I did it all in one breath, too, because I know that's what you're woeing. Um, Perfect. So... DuPont became increasingly paranoid in the weeks leading up to the murder of Schultz. Uh, He was very vocal about how he thought Schultz was in his walls and using tunnels under his home to, quote, mess with him. And among other things, he also came to the conclusion that black was terrible. He hated the color black. And he would say that it was the color of death. And so all of his black horses, he rehomed. Anybody living on his estate who owned a black car, he made them get rid of it. And perhaps the most problematic of all, fired all the black wrestlers on any of his teams. So, so the family is (laughs) just totally shocked that this would happen. But yes, he has a severe aversion to the color black. He thinks that somebody is living in his walls and so he's just going crazier. They but. were all like, yeah, he's crazy, but he could never go through with. Like, they were not shocked that he would show up with a gun, basically. They were shocked that he would actually pull the trigger. Anytime, Once, if not three times. Anytime you think that it's not shocking that someone can show up with a gun at some point, they're going to pull the trigger at some point because oh, he's yeah. getting crazier and crazier. He yes. needed to be, he needed help. He needed to be in a facility and get help because he sounded like he was losing his fucking mind. Yep. But no one believed that he was actually capable of committing a crime. So uh, I don't know. Everyone's capable of committing a crime. Exactly. Well, and then they started pointing fing- fingers. And at one point, people tried to blame like his head of security, other people tried to blame like, um, the chauffeur, Schwartz. No, blame, and, the per- blame the person that pulled the trigger. Yeah. Um, but as an example, Charles King Sr., who was DuPont's stable hand and manager for 30 years, told Mainline Today, 
quote, I don't think John could shoot someone unless he was pushed to or on drugs. After that guy started hanging around him, my son always said Johnny changed. He was scared of everything. He was always a little off, but I never had problems with him, and my son never had problems. So, dot, dot, dot. Quote. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that excuse, because that's an excuse. Be like, well, I've never personally had problems in it with this person it's like yeah but you're not the only person in the fucking world just because you personally have never had a problem i'm sure there's so many people that never had a problem with ted bundy yeah like that doesn't mean he wasn't a fucking serial killer he had a fiance yeah and he married another woman like that mm. i mean to get into like like totally out of left field pop culture the thing that's going on with ellen right now and all the celebrities are being like well she's been real nice to me i was like yeah it's because you're a fucking billionaire and so is she i know but that's just yeah completely there huh Um, yeah right so after the murder because i'm sure you want to know why he actually did it correct yeah of course So after the murder, DuPont barricaded himself in his mansion with a fuck ton of guns, night vision equipment, and protective vests. So, going a little crazy. Oh, crazy, you say? Yes. He he also had a Vietnam-era tank and a helicopter, along with a fuck ton of gunpowder, so the police had to watch out for booby traps the entire time. Casual. But still not not, uh, capable of a crime. No, 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 no. He just had that. He just had that tank for funsies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But so, yeah, so he engaged in what would become a two day long standoff with the police. Eventually, and I do love this. This made me giggle. They were able to capture him by turning off his power. And then he went outside to fix his heater because, again, it's January in Pennsylvania. But he went outside to fix his heater and they were like, gotcha. Who the fuck? Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, but somebody that is, like, clinically insane. That needs, like, severe mental help. Yes. That's the kind of person that would do that. But I love that that was the thing. Like, he's got booby traps. He's got guns. He's got tanks. And they get him by turning off his power. So he has to go turn his heat back on. Wow. He just wanted to watch some, some TV. He was into the third rock from the sun and needed to know what happened. Um, but yeah, so when they captured him, they asked him why he killed Schultz. And they also asked him in the, like, the interview afterwards, and his defense asked him and everything. And his answer was that he was never able to give an explanation. What the fuck? Yep, you're never gonna know. This is fucking bullshit. I know, I'm sorry. It's a bullshit this is a episode. pentathlon fencing of crimes. Oh, fucking um, Jesus. But so, one speculated motive is that Schultz allegedly announced that he was leaving the estate after the Olympics to coach wrestling at Stanford University back in his home state of California, and that he, DuPont did not want him to go. Um, to further back up this theory, he gave him a very sizable christmas bonus like not even a month before and it was like around 15 20 thousand dollars on top of his regular salary yeah and people are like well could it have been a bribe or could it have been like an incentive to stay yeah um but regardless there's no he's never said nobody knows um but at his trial in 1996 Neither the prosecution nor the defense could come up with a motive either. <laughs> like, even the people that were trying him were like, yeah, I have no fucking clue why he did it. Like, That's there's one thing nuts. we can agree on. Yeah. So, DuPont was ruled incompetent to stand trial. I'm shocked. Clearly. With experts um, testifying that he was psychotic and could not participate in his own defense. And he was committed to a mental hospital in September 1996 under the stipulation that the court would review the condition in three months. And during the trial, one of the defense's expert psychotic, psychiatric, excuse me, not psychotic, witnesses described DuPont as a paranoid schizophrenic who believed Schultz was part of an international conspiracy to kill him. All right. Yep. 
this same expert also said that DuPont believed people would break into his house and kill him and that he had installed a shit fuck ton of security features in his house. Okay. He got himself a ring. He got himself a, a fucking nest. He got himself Before some cameras. Before these things existed. <laughs> yep. He invented them. You've heard it here first, folks. Um, oh, God. I'm going off the rails. But so DuPont attempted to plead not guilty by reason of insanity. The jury rejected this. And on February 25th, 1997, found him guilty of third degree murder, but mentally ill. And the but mentally ill caveat was basically, first of all, third degree murder isn't common in a lot of states. But yeah, I don't is, think I've heard of it. Yeah, it's like the low threshold of murder. It sounds like, I always thought it was first degree, second degree manslaughter. Yeah, it's somewhere in between second and manslaughter. Weird, okay. Like, it's it's very it's very arbitrary and probably part of the reason why a lot of i can't remember what other states florida i just looked it up because i was like there there's another state where we talked about this um but basically it's always florida it's always florida um basically it's like it kind of like manslaughter like they did not they they did not commit whatever it was to bring death upon the person they committed it against but they engaged in it and so therefore they did it's kind of like manslaughter except they intended to cause harm they just ended up killing the person which is part of the reason why nobody really kept it around except for pennsylvania florida and minnesota minnesota Um, states where this kind of thing happens yeah you know don't you know um but so yeah so it was kind of a bullshit conviction kind of not but the the mentally ill caveat means that sentencing would be decided by the judge presiding over the trial instead of the jury okay so judge patricia jenkins was the judge overseeing the trial and she sentenced dupont to 13 to 30 years at the state correctional institution in in mercer which was a minimum security institution in the pennsylvania prison system okay so after dupont was convicted nancy schultz filed a wrongful death lawsuit against him and while the amount of the settlement was not disclosed the philadelphia inquirer reported that anonymous sources said he paid at least 35 million to her Oof. yes but, but i you know i went woof but at the same time that's kind of chump change i feel like yeah for how much he allegedly had yeah yeah he's got a tank and a helicopter and yeah. yeah, like, I feel like that's not, like, for example, a couple years ago when I had a job, oh, a couple days ago when I had a job, um, a couple <laughs> years ago when I had a job, they they would give Christmas bonuses, and the Christmas bonus would be, like, 500 to 1,000 bucks. So if, Per employee? Yes. So if this Christmas bonus that he gave was fifteen to 20,000, and that's, say, like, point one percent of whatever you're making yeah that's like 35 million is basically a drop in the bucket i guess yeah um but but regardless it doesn't matter she got money and in 2000 dupont's legal team well they filed a fuck ton of appeals but in 2000 one of the appeals that they filed made it all the way to the supreme court and they upheld the trial's verdict that he was guilty Uh uh-huh and Mark Schultz then said, he has since said that after the trial, so before the, what do you want to call it? The, the appeal, but after the trial, DuPont sent a private investigator to his house and asked, and he sent him to ask Mark for help getting him out of prison. Why? He asked, I know, he asked the brother of the man he killed to help him the killer get out of prison but he also can't give a reason as to why he killed him no 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 but so and i've got to give so mark's done some weird shit that i'll get into in a bit but i've got to give him credit for this he filmed the private investigator asking him for this shit slammed the door in his face and then sent it to the prosecutor 
Yeah, perfect. That's yeah, what like, you got to do. Fucking great. But like, but that's the thing. Also, is like having the wherewithal to be like, oh, I got to film this. I got to document this. Yeah. Um. But like, can you believe the audacity? <laughs> like, are we kidding? Yeah, that's severe mental illness. Yeah, and I can't believe the PI went through with it. He must have been paid. Yeah, no shit. Um, but so yeah, Dupont was first eligible for parole on January 29th, 2009, and it was denied. Oh, so sad. No. And almost a year later, Dupont died on December 9th, 2010, from chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Or, as everybody knows from those lawsuit commercials, at 3 a.m., COPD, which you or your loved one may be diagnosed and could have a right to a lawsuit. <laughs> um, everybody, poor, poor Luis is sitting there like, what the fuck are they talking about? Like, It's very American commercial. It's, it's a very American thing that lawyers advertise on tv and like medications are advertised on tv um it's but the a lawyers have their own jingles which they is do the and it's the that's the fun part no yeah. one is ever gonna hire them but they will love those jingles till the day they die wait selena and barnes are uh injury attorneys right selena and barnes broke up i still see commercials for them but they broke up <gasps> their advertisements lie i know i know but up. but yeah so he died and as stipulated in his will he was buried amongst some of his medals some of his awards no no olympic medals though in his team fox catcher singlet wow yep if anybody doesn't know what a singlet looks like Look it up and then picture a it's a woman seventy something suit. year old man. It's the it's it's the Borat swimsuit with slightly more coverage. <laughs> it's it's a woman's bathing suit that you wrestle in, pretty much. Basically. Well, sometimes basically. they have like little like little shorts. shorts. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so that's what, what you got want to buried be buried in. What do you want to be buried in? I mean, I wasn't thinking about swimsuits until he brought it up, but I don't know. Oh, look cute. I want to look cute. I mean, if I look good enough naked when I'm dead, I could say that and have an open casket. Yeah, whatever it is, no pants. <laughs> no pants. No I don't pants. want any pants in the afterlife. I, Fuck that I shit. I hated pants when I was living and I hate them in death. That's what the tombstone's going to say. She hated pants in life and hates them in death. <laughs> well, here's a here's a little uh, insider info. I don't want to be uh, buried. I want to be cremated and then have my ashes put in fireworks and then set them off so I can go out with a bang. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Luke Perry had himself turned into a tree. Yeah, I've seen that. I want to be fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> my dad said Beam that he me wants up, Scotty. to be... Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> My dad said he wants to be cremated because then he's just like, yeah, then nobody's got to bother. And I'm like, that's not that's not the reasoning that you should have. There's also other things that you have to bother with. You have to close all their accounts and blah, 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 blah. And yeah, I told my dad I'm just pushing him off the side of a boat. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you got to he, he was like, you guys got to go on a big fishing trip and just like scatter my ashes. I was like, no, you're chumming the waters. <laughs> Well, and he loves Jaws, so it's perfect. Perfect. <laughs> oh, my, my dad really likes those, like, History Channel Viking stories. So maybe I'll, like, Give try him to Viking talk him into Yeah, maybe I'll try to talk <laughs> him into that. Be like, Dad, all right, I know you want to be cremated, but what if? <laughs> yeah, I told my dad, I was like, what if, what if I had a little Weekend at Bernie's uh, event? <laughs> we just I hang out it. with my dad's body with sunglasses on. I'm sorry, this sounds very morbid, but no, it sounds like I think like <laughs> Irish funerals are like that, where they you basically sit for, for a couple of days and party. I because I do want an Irish wake because you just sit there with the body and party all night because otherwise I don't remember if it's like the fairies come get you. Everybody in Ireland is yelling at me, and I'm a terrible Irish person, but it's okay because I'm only 25. Um, no, like you get shit face drunk. Which is perfect because Which is everything I'm always, in but I'm always the sober person at parties. So in death, I will still be the same. Perfect. And yes. And so everybody gets drunk and basically like you've got to protect the body from mythical entities <gasps> overnight. And we all wear so armor and like. 
wooden no, swords? No, it's more just like if you're up and you're making noise, they won't come in, kind of like bears. You gotta right. protect the body from bears, but like mythical bears. That sounds bears. pretty fun. Bears with wings. Winged bears. <laughs> Winged bears. That was a tangent. I'm sorry about that. I know, I know. I've got <laughs> one more, though. Billy Eichner with a halo and wings. Anyway. Okay. So, yeah. So he got, he, he got, he got dead. And he in got In the buried. wrestling singlet. Yeah. Yes. And so then in response to DuPont's death, Schultz's father told the New York Times that, quote, the fact that he's officially gone is almost a moot point. I did forgive the man for what he did. I never forgave the act, end quote. So that's pretty, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if the guy was so mentally ill when it happened, like, are you blaming him or are you blaming the mental illness? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But as for the facility, Foxcatcher Farms, it was purchased by the Toll Brothers Company and they turned it into, now remember I said, expansive and expansive. Yeah. They turned it into a community, I'm assuming gated, but I don't know, of 449 homes. Holy shit. Told ya. And they There's also- so much land in Pennsylvania. Oh, I know. It's just, it's literally fucking Penn's Woods. Um, just heh. land. But yeah, and they also changed the name from Foxcatcher Farms back to the name that the land was originally called back in the 1920s, which is Lysiter. Lysiter? L-I-S-E-T-E-R? I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, so potentially you could live there if you're a big fan of this story or what's about to come because, obviously, even if you're not a wrestling fan, it's still heavily apparent that Dave Schultz and Mark Schultz made his mark on pop culture. But if that wasn't enough for you... Schultz and DuPont's story was made into a movie in 2014 titled Foxcatcher after yeah. the training facility. Do, do, you under, do you know the story now? Well, I, yeah, I got it as okay. soon as you started talking about Foxcatcher. Fox yeah. yeah. Um, at the beginning of this, Haley was like, I have no idea what's coming. <laughs> yeah, those are my favorite episodes. Um, mine too. Not that Bundy wasn't fun, but I like the ones where you spook me a little bit. Yep. Um, within reason. Don't spook me too much. Mm -hmm. um, but so Dave Schultz was played by Mark Ruffalo. His brother Mark was played by Channing Tatum. And DuPont was played by Steve Carell in a role that probably most set him apart as being more than just a comedic actor. Literally, everyone was so fucking confused why they cast him. And the director, Bennett Miller's re reasoning was actually like, comics are some of the darkest fucking people so he should have no problem with this <laughs> well yeah i mean if anybody has ever watched uh breaking bad that was the whole thing with casting brian cranston yeah. as walter white it's because everyone was like the dad from malcolm in the middle and they're like yes and then uh bob odenkirk playing um saul goodman mm -hmm. and now with the spin-off show like comedians are very good at doing drama yeah. like dramatic actors are kind of hit or miss with comedy but comedians can pretty much do anything well and part of that is because in comedy one of the first things they teach you is in order to be like truly funny you have to act like even if you're saying something ridiculous you you have to act like the character takes it very seriously and this is like the top thing on their list and it is the most important and the most like earth shattering or exciting or whatever it is it does not matter if you're just like playing the tooth fairy stunt double you you like you have to it's like a second layer of you are being dramatic yeah and so much so that it's yeah, funny the to everybody else is the funny part yes yeah but so it comes as no shock to me but it came to a sh as a shock to a lot of people but he fucking he outdid himself he went all in yeah uh, he fully method wore facial prosthetics to look more like dupont wouldn't like talk to anybody like mimicked his, watched like hours and hours and hours of footage of dupont to like mimic his like idiosyncrasies and, and manners yeah, yeah. yeah. um and it, like his performance in and of itself was just incredible 
And then Mark Ruffalo also did a stellar job and a couple of fun facts about his performance and how he got into character. Um, for one thing, he and John DuPont share a birthday IRL. Oh, wow. That's right? Interesting. Um, and then although he plays Dave, Mark plays Dave, not Mark. Yeah. Um, he actually, and we will have an episode on this, has a brother who has been murdered in a case that's unsolved, which is not too dissimilar from this case because while it's been solved they know who did it they don't know why yeah um so he could kind of touch on that too internally but perhaps the biggest thing for me was that nancy schultz gave mark ruffalo dave's glasses during the production which he wears during the movie playing dave so if you ever want yeah if you ever want to like fucking cry that's it that's that's the tweet yeah so vanessa redgrave also plays dupont's mom Jean, and i'm only mentioning this because one time i walked past vanessa redgrave on the street in cape cod and didn't realize it until like five minutes too late like she was hella gone and from that point but like like that point two seconds that we passed each other she was lovely <laughs> she was so nice <laughs> so that's why i was like oh we gotta have her we a gotta very have pleasant her passing stranger yes so pleasant in fact that i didn't know who the fuck she was until after was that vanessa redgrave and it was right when letters to juliet came out too and she's the she's like the grandma in that movie Uh uh-huh but yeah you know just just caitlin things um so the film was written by e max fry and dan futterman it was actually written during the writer's strike so fry like wrote it and then there were a lot of like it wasn't fully done and there were additions that needed to be made and things like that Uh so futterman took over and like they never met they never worked together he just kind of finished it weird yeah but he's best known for writing and producing the film capote about truman capote yeah among other great films and also fun fact he plays robin williams and nathan lane's son in another great film the <gasps> 90s classic the bird cage he's he's val he's val in the bird cage i love the bird cage one of yes, my favorite movies it's such a good movie and if you so haven't good. seen that go watch that instead if wrestling and true crime aren't your things why are you listening but also go watch that instead um, and if you want to uh if you want to listen to the um original version of the story la caja fall uh <laughs> it, it was great i saw it on broadway so, kelsey oh. Grammer and douglas hodge it's so good amazing so good yeah but yeah <laughs> birdcage tangent oh, yeah no and then he was also <laughs> j-lo's love interest in enough okay now i'm done okay um but so the, t- the film was nominated for five Oscars, Oof. Um, two Best Actor nominations, Best Leading Actor and Supporting Actor for Steve Carell and Mark Ruffalo specifically, and Best Writing Original Screenplay, Best Achievement in Makeup and Hairstyling, which I think was 99% due to Steve Carell's nose. Yep. I don't think I'm positive. Um, but also Bennett Miller, who directed the film along with Moneyball and Capote alongside Dan Futterman um was nominated for best achievement in directing which is very weird because he was nominated but the i think we've discussed this before it's very weird not to nominate the director and the film yeah and usually they just don't nominate the director and they snub the director in this case they didn't do that they nominated him but they did not nominate the movie um well, what other movies were out during that time those 2014 oscars and hang on, I'm Or would it be it the up. 2015 Oscars if it came out in 2014? I think it would be the 2015 because I know that in 2014, they, they did 12 Years a Slave because then we watched it in my African-American studies class like the next semester. Oh, okay. So, and then that's when I took that class. So that would make sense unless I think I, I think I think it's some, 20. It's got to be some banger movies to have yeah. it not even be nominated. Right. Well, and it, 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 I think it is. So hang on. I'm pulling it up. All right. So the nominees were the nominees are. OK. Envelope, please. Um, the correct one. So. The Imitation Game. Boyhood. Okay. OK. The Grand Budapest Hotel okay selma okay the theory of everything 
Okay. Whiplash. Oh, love Whiplash. Great movie. Rushing or dragging. No fucking idea. And it. American Sniper. Okay. Which, funnily enough, um, Sienna Miller plays Nancy Schwartz, and she also plays a woman whose husband or partner or whatever gets killed in American Sniper. Spoiler alert, but oh. it's been out for like six years, so y'all yeah. can go fuck. It's been there um, for a but the winner was Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. Oh, which, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen it. it, so I've just oh, heard about it. Oh, you gotta see it. You gotta see it. It, it. For the cinematography alone, you gotta see it. The story was okay. Emma, Emma Stone was cool, I guess. Yeah. Fucking, fucking... It, yeah, it was, some it was so movies. well done. Yeah, it was, a ve- it, it was a very good season for film. Um, but yes. So then... They didn't win any of the Oscars in what was a complete shock to me. At least yeah, Steve Carell should have won, but I really thought yeah. that like hair and makeup and screenplay were going to win. And yeah. even even directing like Bennett Miller did he was so thorough with this whole thing to the point that like in an early draft of the script it was like script written by whatever and then yeah. story by Bennett Miller. Yeah. Like, he was so into it. But, yeah. So, they also didn't win the three Golden Globe nominations they got, which were, again, two Best Actors for Steve and Mark, and Best Motion Picture Drama. Okay. But, if you haven't seen it, I'll leave it up to you to determine whether or not they were robbed, even though they were, and I will never believe anything else. Um, But the movie has a 7.7 out of 10 on IMDb, a 79% Google score, and an 87% tomato meter rating on Rotten Tomatoes with a 66% audience score. And the critic consensus is, quote, a chilling true crime drama Foxcatcher offers Steve Carell, Mark Ruffalo, and Channing Tatum a chance to shine, and all three of them rise to the challenge, end quote. And actually, as I read that, true crime wasn't, like, as popular as it is now back then. It was kind of more like a secret society, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's I mean, probably the true crime boom has been since like, like it's 2016. been steadily rising. Yeah, yeah. But, so it was ahead um, of its time in that in that yeah. regard, which is probably another reason why it not that it wasn't as popular. Like it was nominated for so many awards. Um, yeah. Like I didn't even get into the Baftas, but it like that may have contributed to it. Yeah, maybe. But I will tell you one critic who wasn't a fan though. Uh-oh. Mark Schultz. Oh, no. Oh, yes. And at first, he had been extremely supportive of the film. But Channing Tatum played him. We'll get into that. Oh, no. Yes, he did. Um, he was... He was. It, he actually served as a consultant on the film. And the, uh, a bit on the consulting bit, the movie is based on a book that he wrote with Dave Thomas on his version of what happened... And okay. it was also it also came out in 2014, and it was titled Foxcatcher, the true story of my brother's murder, John DuPont's madness, and the quest for Olympic gold. It's got a 2.9 out of 5 out of over 2,200 ratings on Goodreads, and something tells me that the 2.8 out of that 2.9 is for Thomas. So maybe read that one at your own risk. But the point is that he was heavily involved in the creation of the movie, and he was not opposed to the story getting out there. He wanted the story to get out there. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very excited about the movie when it was coming out. He was like, he was super gung ho over it. I don't think I can say that anymore. Shit. Um, he was super excited, and I, I apologize. Um, I'm still learning. We're all still learning, and that's no excuse, but it's an explanation. Um, he was very excited, and basically, he became no longer excited. Uh oh. Due to the fictional sexual relationship betwe- depicted between himself, a.k.a. Channing Tatum, and DuPont, a.k.a. Steve Carell. Oh. And people actually were making comparisons to the Liberace biopic behind the candelabra. Yeah. And he was not amused as, as a big hulking white wrestler who breaks people's elbows in the first 30 seconds of a match yeah you can understand how he might have some feelings about his masculinity and so he did something 
a little not cute mm. and started to threaten Bennett Miller, the director. And one of the threats, which all of these he tweeted. So they okay. were out there. They weren't just like, like Phil Hartman's wife, Bryn, sending letters or not sending letters to women yeah. in his life. Like these were out in the open. One of the one of the tweet threats was, quote, you think I'm going to sit back and watch you destroy my name and the reputation I sweat blood for? You ain't seen nothing yet, dude. End quote. Um, he said publicly that he hated the film. He hated Miller and that he hated, quote, everything that scum, end quote, touched. Oof. Yeah. And then, in a very John DuPont move, he turned around two weeks later and said that he loved Foxcatcher and Miller and thought the movie was fucking great. What the fuck? Yep. He said he considered, it, he considered Miller to be, quote, the greatest director ever, end quote. Who and paid him a lot of money to take well, back what he said? Not sure, but he did say that when he made all those threats and had that little Twitter meltdown... He was just, quote, temporarily insane. Like, yeah, no shit, my Insane dude. On, on the cocaine? Well, I don't know if it's the cocaine or if it's like, so it, uh, if you've seen the movie, it's depicted in the movie. Mark would hit himself in the head whenever he lost a match. I'm sure that <laughs> does wondrous things. I, I, I'm sure it had nothing to do with this. No. But... Um, and Channing Tatum would also do this, so we'll see what he's tweeting in a few years. Oh, God. Um, he actually suffered an injury on set after putting his head through a mirror. Um, ah. Yeah. But, yeah. So, that happened. But if you're looking to watch the movie, you can watch it on Amazon Prime through the IMDb TV channel, which in and of itself honestly has some bangers on there so i would check it out regardless i think actually the birdcage might be on there um this is just going to become a birdcage fan podcast just go watch the birdcage it's so good <laughs> birds and fox watch them both <laughs> but yeah that is the men's smear it's <laughs> the birdcage yeah i know i know we smear the whole thing, the whole thing is just, please watch it. It's solid gold. It's I just. Pierce the toast. <laughs> <laughs> or what was the fucking thing? Um, I'm going to go watch uh, the birdcage now. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to too. Um, I, I, I'm looking it up right now. If you have the Showtime extension, you can watch it. Um, which I accidentally clicked on and I do not have the Showtime extension and I'm not about to pay for it. But yeah, or you can you can rent it for three ninety nine, and honestly, the best three ninety nine you will ever spend. It's fantastic. This is the birdcage, not the fox catcher. Right? Yeah, this is the birdcage. <laughs> <laughs> if you rent Good. if you rent the fox catcher on Prime when you have it for free on the free IMDb TV channel that is automatically included in your Prime subscription, I don't know what to say to you. Okay, but yeah. Yeah. What the hell are Pirin tablets? <laughs> <laughs> I just please go watch it. Um but yeah, that's that's the story of Dave Schultz and his murder with a small segue back and forth to the birdcage. And how we wanna be uh clothed when we're buried. And why fencing should not be in a pentathlon, apparently. This podcast went off the rails. It it t this one was a bit there was a bit. It's, it was, it it's was late just, here. It's also late here, but it's later there. It's past midnight, so... Yeah, it's past nine. Both, time. Both of us have... Yeah, time is a construct. <laughs> Nothing is real. Nope. Yeah. Finland's not real. One Sorry, of our listeners Finn. is from... Well, yeah. <laughs> I think we have more than one listener, but one of our friends, friends of the podcast, is uh, from Finland, apparently. Yes, she which is. Which we did not know. They are. Um, yes, and honestly, I don't know. I'm I'm starting to convince them Finland may not be real. I mean, I'm down to go to Finland. 
I yes, we'll come visit you in Finland to prove to the public solely for the purpose of of just doing our p- civic duty, doing making yeah. making sure for the public that Finland is real. If we ever were to do a live show, I would love to go to Finland. If we ever are allowed outside of our homes again, I would love to go anywhere but here. <laughs> yeah, right. I would love to go <laughs> five minutes down the road. <laughs> I went to Target today and I was like, oh, it's such a rush. <laughs> I went to work and then I came home and then I'm still at home. Yeah. It's Fun a time. It's fine. Yep. So. You know what else you can is go, fun? What? Following us on our socials and our email. Uh, emailing you do us. It. You I do. beat you. you do the I outro. beat you to it. Do I'm it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I love outro. you though. I love you though. Um, our socials are at crime culture pod or at crime culture podcast depending on where you are i believe it's crime culture podcast on instagram and facebook and it basically facebook technically doesn't count but it counts because it's connected to instagram and then it's crime culture pod on twitter we do not have a linkedin but i'm still in work mode so linkedin is the first thing that comes up so if i ever say it just disregard me as crazy and you can also email us at crimeculturepod at gmail.com. We have a Patreon if you would ever like to donate. You can donate in whatever percentage you think Finland is real. As yeah. little as a dollar. If you think Finland is 1% real. As much as a million dollars if you think Finland is a million percent real. Yeah. Even more if you are that convinced that Finland is real. Um, and I'm still pushing... Uh crimeculturepod at gmail.com send us fucking some fun fan art oh yeah we got uh, some coming uh, yes we do you're gonna see it send us uh hey hi hello yes um we've been talking to to a bunch of people on all of our social medias and stuff and it's super fun and we do want to know the people who are listening to the show all the time and it's quarantine so what the fuck are you doing let me know yeah, now's the time to make friends because we can't do anything else. Yep. Yep. What's that? Okay. Did I get it all, so, Mom? Yep. And then crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com is the website. That's our website. I knew there was something. So then you can go there for more information, for links and all that fun stuff. And uh, on that note, We'll see you next Tuesday. Oh, hell yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. Can we get a, can we get a cat meow? I is don't think still we in can. The room? No, she fled. And her oh, brother, fuck. her brother is a, you've heard of the deaf mutes. He's just a dumb mute. So. Yeah. All right. Well, that's but, sad then. Elliot, right. cut out one of the meows from the beginning and put it here. Absolutely not. Okay, he did. Did he do it? Yeah. (laughs) No. (laughs) Nope, didn't do it. All right, bye. (laughs) Bye. I didn't do it.